0: Hello and welcome to Only Fools and Bro, Thali Forces. Uh, It's Jamie, as always, and um, joined with my brother Bobbly. Bobbily, Jesus Christ. (laughs) That one wasn't on purpose. No, that one wasn't. Um, And this intro is different than normal, so I've already lost myself. How are you doing, Bobby? (laughs) Yeah, I'm alright,
1: mate. That was was very good. I literally
0: just thought of it now as I was setting up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, good effort, good effort. I approve.
0: So before we get um, straight into the episode, uh, I don't think me and you have been talking that much over the last sort of two months. We've both just been sort of pretty busy. We we normally sort of keep in touch and send few messages, maybe a, a call every other week, but uh, we haven't really done that much. But one of the things we were speaking about um, last time we spoke is uh, how different some of the, the process of this is uh, in regards to when we first started the episodes and the early fours and stuff, you said something like, do you not remember we were arguing
1: all the time? And it took me a second. It it was a big issue in the early days. I think it took us a long time to figure out exactly what the format was going to be. And so we would argue a lot about format, but we'd also just argue about stupid stuff like brothers do. And genuinely every half an hour episode had about a 20 minute intermission in the middle where we would just have a blazing row and then at some point one of us would just be like well we do actually have to finish this so we just have to pretend we were fine and then just go <coughs> and so back in the flat and <laughs> yeah they would they would get pretty heated i think a lot of it was like um
0: artistic sort of differences on on how we tackle a subject some of them some of the more sort of taboo or sensitive subjects i was generally probably airing on the more insensitive and bobby the other way um but uh but well
1: we were annoyed with each other like a fair amount of the time they they were proper arguments like i've not gone back and listened to those early episodes as much as i should i have done a couple of times but I, i don't i don't think i can ever spot it which quite frankly is incredible because i don't think either of us are nearly as that good enough actors to be able to properly hide it but apparently we get away with it because some of them were pretty pretty brutal and it really was nearly every episode for a while like it it was like nine out of ten of the first 30 episodes i think um but you'll be pleased to know
0: that i i don't recall ep- arguing on an episode really at all in the last 50 i guess like it was definitely a teething problem that that ceased to exist once we'd found our found our feet
1: yeah i think we figured out after a while like how each of us wanted to attack so i, I think a lot of it's always surprise right when you set up something like this we each have uh, images in our head of what's going to sound like how we're going to talk about stuff the things we're going to use time on or the things we're not going to use time on and I think very early on we would regularly go into episodes and be very surprised by what one person would want to use 10 minutes on and what they wouldn't want to use other time on or we just end up talking about something stupid um, <laughs> and it's just that surprise right it's just having your expectations subverted is always very frustrating. And obviously, as brothers, we were less likely to give in very easily. And so we'd end up having these big blazing rounds. But I think now the expectations are understood, I think, by both of us. So even though I think if we had an argument, we'd still probably see it through. Uh, Like we'd have a proper row if we had something to properly row about. But we're not really ever surprised by anything anymore we, we've done this quite a lot now we've like, definitely I'd, definitely met in the middle a little
0: bit as well like we've been able to reset the expectations and what have you but we have done this quite a lot we're actually getting close now to 100 episodes which i, th- yeah, I don't know madness. what we're going to do
1: but i feel like there needs to be something some sort of cocktail session there, there should be something we'll uh we'll have to figure that out uh I, it's all it's uh i'd be very intrigued for maybe people who have binged all of our podcasts recently uh, to really try and make comparisons between the 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 run of shows where we've been on such bad time differences, because you know you've been in, you were in New Zealand for a while, then back in England, you're in the States for a bit, then back in England, and now Oz. Like, so there are big chunks of periods where we're recording podcasts where times were really good and the same, and when they were absolutely way out of whack. And I I wonder how different the tone really is. Hopefully not too different. I think it's directed a lot by the by the content itself.
0: Especially on these um that where we are now with the different uh the different episodic stuff we're watching, which I was kind of thinking, um this for example, so Toast of London, which we are, are on this week, is, is, defin- is definitely a, a low um audience uh Series, you know it's compared to some of the other massive things we have that that everyone knows um I was wrong when I said about a uh, friend of the podcast, Rich liking it, he had never heard of it, and I think a lot of people <laughs> haven't actually watched it, and I was thinking that uh this sort of thing, if you search for this on a on a podcast app, it's quite likely that we would be one of the very few people discussing this in a podcast forum which I think is cool but also it's a bit more niche therefore we're more likely to shit on things so if we're like the only thing that people can come and listen to and we're generally negative it
1: probably doesn't sort of help our our branch out for our audience. No and also I think if uh, someone's I think also on these ones where we don't know them as well I think we're more likely to talk shit like we have done for the last nearly 10 minutes. And so if anyone search Toast of London on their podcast app, they're going to be very disappointed because we're 10 minutes in and we've not mentioned it.
0: Yeah, so if you have watched it and just found us, then you're not going to be that interested. And if you normally like our stuff and haven't watched it, you're also probably not that interested. So for that one guy that's left, um, <laughs> we can talk a little bit about Toast. Um, one thing that did make it a bit more... Relevant, uh, as it were, that I didn't realise. So, um, one thing I did want to start doing is giving better intros into the sitcoms because we kind of just go straight into it without sort of giving a bit of an overview. So, um, Toast of London is uh, about this guy, Stephen Toast. He is a pretty failed actor or as far as the first series sort of plays out. Um, he's a, a sort of maligned actor. We don't really see him doing much acting, but the it's sort of following the life of him and his agent and uh, a few different people that he comes into uh, into contact with. But somehow, and paradoxically, he's kind of a bit of a womaniser and sort of going through different women and somehow still desired and revered by others. But it is I mean, just... J- j- just that voice is enough, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's something very surreal about it, and uh, it, it really pushes the the boundaries of it, of its surrealism um, but it, it, it's an interesting show but that's kind of the broad strokes it's it's written and performed um, by Matt Berry and I've uh, got another writer as well that I can't remember his name. Arthur Matthews cool Arthur Matthews. And uh, if you're not sure who Matt Berry is, if you're any kind of familiar with um, IT Crowd, he plays sort of the big boss of IT Crowd and and basically is is playing a very similar sort of character. Um, And that's kind of um, the overview, really. So this came out in 2013. There were series in 14 and 15, so three series ran under um, Toast of London. And then Um, there was sort of a bit of a hoo-ha during the COVID pandemic and eventually it was uh, commissioned for a four-series, which came out this year, which made it it a lot more relevant. But that's a big gap, seven years between Series 3 and Series 4. And then uh, this this series was um, named Toast of Tinseltown, um, Mm.
1: which is a bit of a a sidebar. Yes, Toast goes to Hollywood basically. Yes. It Although also not moved... actually. Oh, no? Okay. I I've, I know very little about it. But... Well, it just was filmed in the UK. I think it was set in
0: America, but it was all filmed in the UK. There's very little American right, okay. people in it at all.
1: Right, okay. It also moved uh, from Channel 4 to BBC for Toast of Town, which is a weird surprise. Oh, do you know that... I
0: didn't even realise that. And yet, it's
1: all available on
0: BBC. So BBC yeah, that, the whole, bought the whole rights to it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, Channel Four and BBC are kind of, you know, intermingled siblings. So there's always some cro- there's often some crossover there. But this is strange. Yeah, it did its whole run out as toast on Channel Four, but now it's on BBC, and so the uh, the archive has moved from 4OD over to BBC iPlayer. Random. It is generally well regarded and well reviewed it but it does seem to be have fallen under many people's radar I was always aware of it the name and I'd seen the picture I knew Matt Berry was in it and I really like Matt Berry in the IT crowd but I'd never watched it and I think that's true for a lot of people but clearly enough for watching it that it did manage to keep getting recommissioned
0: Yeah, generally pretty well reviewed. Um, I was going to say the same I've always been aware of it and heard of it and definitely knew um, some people who had spoken pretty highly about it. Um, So it it definitely has a reasonable following. So let's get into it. The first thing we'll do um, is the theme tune and we'll talk about Toast of London.
1: So before I knew any details about it, my first reaction to the theme tune was, "Yeah, I don't like this." <laughs> I didn't, I didn't like the music. I didn't really like the cutting uh, of the visuals for the for it either. Uh, I just thought the whole thing was a bit meh. Um, so I, I, it was very awkward to then discover that Matt Berry wrote it, and in fact is a very accomplished musician with nine studio albums, um, all of this kind of style, acid jazz, which is a genre I don't really understand, um, what it means. But so it- I was going to say it's a bit of a mix between like play stage
0: theatre at the start and it sort of transitions into like good times, cliché, sort of TV vibes, like intermission mm. TV. It's a very weird um, sort of intro, but I would say that it does suit the the series.
1: Yeah, I I, didn't, I just found it really nothingy. I just really didn't didn't love it. I didn't really like the 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 music was the main thing. It was just a bit weird. I was just like, this is really weird. I don't like this. And I was like, oh shit, he's made loads of it. Um, and and as well regarded, like I mean, nine albums. That's loads. Uh, and it and I listened to three or four different songs from Matt Berry's various albums, uh, which are all of the same kind of acid jazz style and uh yeah not not really my thing couldn't really tell any of them apart but um this is this is his wheelhouse
0: i don't want to like give the whole game away so maybe i'll just put a teaser in here but do you have any reason to believe that he can sing on any of these albums or is it all instrumental if it's jazz
1: oh no he 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 sings
0: okay cool so episode 1 um phone 6 with toast is the name of the episode and this, uh, the first thing that I noticed just very quickly, but throughout the series is, um, the cameos, all the extras, all the other, um, everyone. people, yeah, it, it has got everyone in it really, really, um, randomly random people. So the first person we see is, uh, Morgana Robinson, um, who was on taskmaster on our taskmaster, and I root her, Morgana. Oh, yeah. So um, <laughs> Morgana Robinson, um, who's a bit of a legend. Um, she was on um, Taskmaster and I really enjoyed her on that. I think she's very funny and very sort of fur life. And she's sort of definitely just quite naturally attractive. And um, I really, really just liked her personality on that. So it's kind of good to see her on the series. Yeah,
1: I, I really liked to see her as well. And I was gutted that she wasn't a regular because I'm quite a fan. Did you ever watch the Morgana show back in the day?
0: No, I am. I have been aware of it, but I never
1: saw it. See, I did, and I think it's one of those... I mean, it, it's another sketch impression show thing where, ha, you know, a little sketch show where half the characters she does are impressions, like she did, like, Cheryl Cole and Boris Johnson and a load of other ones, and the other half are just original characters. Mm. And I thought that was very underrated. I really enjoyed it. In fact, of all the things that came out around that time... um, I think it was definitely one of the better ones. I really enjoyed the Morgana show, so yeah, I'm a big fan of hers. Actually, it's funny because there's a bit of a twist here. So we have
0: Morgana Robinson and um, the 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 girl. Or female main lead from Phone Shop, funny enough, yeah. Emma Fryer. Emma, F- Emma Fryer, <laughs> and there's a bit of a switch here because um, I really like Morgana. Um, Morgana Robinson in general as a person, but I thought her character was was pretty terrible in the episode. Really, like it wasn't it wasn't as funny as it could be. Whereas Emma Fryer, whose character I didn't really like in Phone Shop, I thought was a really uh, really done a lot better in this episode she was an absolute lush but she really nailed the lush and um, and there was definitely a flip there because i quite liked her character in this
1: yeah i I think it literally as you said every single person that's on camera is a oh it's that guy guy Mm -hmm. like no one is a stranger like you've seen everyone in this show in something else at some point um which i I never know how to feel about that I, i think it really highlights the fact that this is does definitely feel like a show for comedians and actors and they all just kind of get involved. Um, that is fun, but all these side characters, most of them are incredibly short lived, Like there is an absolutely nuts throwaway scene with Bricktop. Yeah. Just right. in, what was it? Like episode th- two or three that it comes out of nowhere. It's like a two minute intense scene and then goes away again and is irrelevant to everything. It's just, it's so weird.
0: Yeah, ep- episode three that is, and he just does a very brick top role. He plays a cab driver. He gets angry and basically does like, "I'll blow your bollocks off, you bastards, Sort of London Cockney as you like, and um, which is funny because this this is like thirteen years after Snatch, so it's uh, it's he's well, well out of
1: the zeitgeist. <laughs> he looks exactly the same. Yeah, He looks weirdly the same. Like fair play, he's uh, he's eating his spinach or something. But uh It was funny because I was thinking with all these considering this is surreal,
0: let's say, and it's not for the masses, I didn't you wouldn't think that Matt Barry had so much clout to get all of these <laughs> sort of reasonably big names. We're talking like Bricktop, we see other um stars away from comedy that will come into later. Um mm-hmm. but then loads of people in the British comedy circuit. But I was wondering um if Matt Berry is just sort of like like you said, but um, well-respected in that sort of area, I think he's done quite a fair bit of writing. And I know that when I listened to um, Bob Mortimer's uh, biography, his um, audio book, he said one of the only people that he really sees a lot and is friends with is, is Matt Berry. And he's really close to him and thinks he's an absolute genius. I think he just has like a really good name for himself. Did 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 he almost win like a Perrier, or he was like in for like newcomer of the year um, during the Fringe Festival or something? Am I getting that confused? Was that him?
1: I'm sure Jimmy Carr spoke about that. I, I don't know about that. I do know his sort of TV stuff. So he did get nominated and didn't win the BAFTA for best newcomer or for his character in It Crowd. Oh, right. Wow, um, okay uh which I'm am I'm a big fan I think that character just is works great and is and yeah. is good fun uh and for this show he did in 2015 so for the third series he won the BAFTA for best male performance in, with, yeah. in a comedy character which um, is quite quite a quite a go really I mean that that's, that's a huge I mean what a BAFTA to win I mean if you're a, if you're a comedian that's that's it isn't it like T, that's the top of TV comedy that year which is kind
0: of kind of mad to think but it just gives you the impression that he's well connected and it definitely helps to add um a bit of kind of say class but it it helps raise the bar of the production for this pretty mad show although i would say it has not always like great actors in in general like some of the the actual extras and side cast are clearly not like incredible but the sort of main focus characters are all you know pretty long in the tooth which
1: which definitely helps its watchability yeah i mean it it definitely gives it an air of like respectability and clout to have all those names it can also put it 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 almost can pull you out of it because you're constantly distracted by where do i know that person from (laughs) yeah right but then this show is so surreal that you're not really worried about being pulled out of some sort of in-depth plot because it's nuts anyway. So I guess it gets away with that. And it does a lot of name-dropping as well. Like they mentioned uh, like Michael Fassbender and I think Benedict Cumberbatch gets a name drop and just all sorts of weird shit. It's very odd.
0: So let's just touch on what exactly makes it surreal. Um, if you don't know or are unfamiliar with the series, so one of the things that comes up in episode one... And honestly, there's so many things we could talk about, but um, there is a woman of some kind of African descent, a young girl who's the, the daughter of someone important who apparently is obsessed with uh, cosmetic surgery and through some sort of prank of the surgeon um, ends up making this beautiful uh, young black woman Basically, look like Bruce Bruce Forsyth or Bruce Forsyth, <laughs> as um, as Matt Berry <laughs> said. And I don't know if we actually get to see uh, her slash him in episode one. I can't remember. Um, but you get certainly, t- in episode... one one tiny cut. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it reoccurs, re- re- and you have this—I don't know—kind of good but kind of terrible recreation of Bruce Forsyth, and it's
1: just so so obscure. I hated it the first time I saw it when when it first came on the screen as Bruce Forsyth. <laughs> I thought it was going to be one of those off-camera things where they talked about it but you never got to see it. Yeah, right. And then suddenly this person comes on the screen looking like like and they've got like a Bruce Forsyth mask kind of makeup done, and you're like, oh, we're gonna th- this is happening, is it? This is this is real. This is this is actually where they're going with this, and it was it was nuts.
0: Yeah, I guess it's some kind of like an impressionist because it's the same person who's doing the voice as well. So yeah, it's yeah. someone who's probably fairly known for doing
1: that. But it was obscure to say the least. It was very, very weird. And of course, every I think what's, what I find odd about it in its level of kind of surrealness is a lot of surreal shows will have a straight character in them. Or at least a couple or or something. Everyone in this show is nuts. Like literally everyone. Like, I, I came to the end of the first episode and my my note at the end of the first episode was I was expecting weird, but fucking hell. <laughs> like it just ev- everyone is crazy. Like there's not there's not a sane person in the entire show ever.
0: Uh no, not really. And uh, But that's the thing, because the, the storyline itself, it's, it seems so real world, like a struggling actor speaking to his agent, caring, has like care and interest into the same, into the right things and the sort of uh, set up for the writing or the, the sort of flow of the storylines are kind of like sensical. But then it's just all mad in the middle. And what's even weirder, and I don't this is what I was I was um touching on about him singing. So every episode, um I was gonna say finishes on a song, but it doesn't. About three minutes before the end breaks into song, which varies hugely in the sort of context of the song. But in the first one, he kind of breaks the fourth wall. He walks out of the studio, like this set that's been yeah. set up past the actors who are sat down waiting for a call basically, but it looks like they are they're just sat waiting and then it goes back into the story again. And the whole all the music is like heavily dubbed over. So we have like young kids singing, other people singing. And it never looks like that person is singing. It's it's really quite cliche and bad, like all of the songs. I didn't find any sort of entertaining merit behind any of them, I don't think.
1: Yeah, I, I, I didn't really thought, didn't think the musical numbers brought anything to proceedings at all. They were just, they were just odd. This um, was asking if he could sing because,
0: in at least three of them, his voice sounds nothing like his own voice at all. Even though it's dubbed, so I'm just curious if he actually ever adds a vocal to any of this.
1: Yeah, yeah, he, like, he's, a, he's a proper singer. Like he sings on all this stuff. He's the yeah exactly, and of this of all... is all terrible. So but... I don't understand. But what's also interesting is have, if you've heard any interviews with Matt Berry, he actually has a, a relatively normal voice. Like his voice that he uses here and in IT Crowd and in a lot of his, most of his voiceover work and stuff, That that's not actually his voice. No, I would assume not. But I, you'd assume it was close and it, he's got a surprisingly normal voice. Like a lit, Like not that dissimilar to ours, like kind of, you know, Southern kind of around area london-ish it's um yeah He he's surprisingly normal in his voice when he's not acting but he all he is just known for this voiceovers and he does a lot of voiceovers um in real life and that i think the voiceover stuff was probably some of the funniest stuff in the oh definitely in the whole yeah, se- yeah yeah in the whole series like the, the, the repetitiveness of the Clem Fandango joke definitely worked <laughs> definitely worked on me. Yeah. It was, was very good. good. And apparently that, that you would not... I was surprised when that went into more than one episode. I was, thought that was going to be a one-episode gag. And when it was throughout the whole series, I was stunned. And I was even more stunned to find out he continues. those The voiceover guys, the same couple of guys, are in every series. They're recurring characters forever. I think it needs to be that I kind of expected this to be a bit more of a
0: sort of skitty um, sketch show, to be honest. I think that was my impression of it before it went in. So the fact that it had such a um, storyline that I was quite surprised that I thought it was going to be a bit more like... Yeah, but I thought it was going to be a bit more like, um, not like a League of Gentlemen or something, but something a bit more like that. You know, different characters that we that we go
1: and see. Right. Over. Yeah. I mean, there is definitely a plot and you know conflict resolution kind of throughout every episode. Um, it it's very odd. I, I think I I read one or no I I, I saw one interview with uh, Matt Berry, and they were kind of talking about how in that way that's very common in, in comedy shows, like you kind of black Adders and stuff that we've talked about before, how the main character, um, you can't help with rooting for them, even though they're highly unlikable. Um, I didn't agree with that sentiment whatsoever. Um, and it was very interesting that Matt Berry's reaction to that statement was like, yeah, like I think if you, if you couldn't find yourself kind of rooting for him for some reason, and he was just completely terrible and irredeemable, then no one would have watched." Um, beyond the first series and i was like yeah pretty much that that was my that was my thinking like it's pretty this i, I was expecting a, a bit more i'm trying to think i feel Shamanu. like there are lots of no a bit more um like uh humility i mean the the character's deliberately vain so maybe not humility but like comeuppance and self and some like level of of self-awareness like i never felt i never really sympathized with the character or was ever rooting for him whatsoever he was just a straight out terrible person where even someone like you know like a blackadder even like in 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 bottom you kind of enjoy their ridiculousness or or young ones or whatever but this was just straight out he's just not a very likable person and we talk about this a lot and i always struggle with that i think it's one of the only things that i kind of kept me intrigued
0: is that i i found him the character charismatic and some kind of endearing that i i had some kind of care about what happened or i i wanted to see the plot develop um him, well, that's good with him giving getting given chances or changing a circumstance because basically everything he does is sort of failing um but yeah, it's not um, you're not like heavenly in love with the character, or at least I'm not. It's more just his um, like, intonations and his like, mannerisms. There's, there's something very infectious, like the words that he says and his, his sort of structure of things like Bruce Forsyth and, and just all those sort of things. You can't Lady help, G- but... <laughs> Madame, Madame Gagar. Yeah, Madame Gaga. Um, you can't help but sort of laugh at those. He does a very good job of sneaking these in and they just kind of keep keep you a little, a little bit hooked on, on it because it's not that funny. Like, <laughs> I, I laughed. It's a shame, isn't it? Yeah, it is a shame because <laughs> I, do, I do quite like Barry uh, Matra, I do quite like the character, but there was just so much fluff in there. And not enough, like, laugh out loud funny stuff. I found myself chuckling maybe every episode. But realistically, like, like a, a a belly laugh didn't really come for a whole series. There were probably two moments in the whole first series where I was like, that is very good.
1: But I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't thrilled. I found quite a few of the bits that I really liked. I was kind of, like, smiling and appreciating the uh the the structure of the joke but in quite an analytical way like as oh that was i really knew i was analyzing a joke i was like oh that was unexpected and clever well done that is amusing which isn't really the reaction that you want is it like you want to actually laugh but that wasn't really my a lot of the time that wasn't my reaction it was just a huh clever that well done and that that was yeah that was more often my reaction i mean the guy's got an absolutely great stash
0: i do wonder how much of his sort of fame and success is down to his mustache and his voice yes basically yeah. his his his
1: appearance and his voice is basically winning him the day i mean that that stuff is essential to the character definitely i mean i think so to move uh, kind of slightly away again from toast and think a bit uh, again about the kind of side characters i found everyone a bit and this is always a problem with side characters in comedy but this was insane they were incredibly one-dimensional and they didn't even necessarily like the jokes didn't necessarily work that much so you can have a one-dimensional character but you just find them funny but a lot of these i just kind of didn't I really didn't like at all Ray Purch- ray fucking Purchase. <laughs> I just didn't find him funny. Um I didn't like I just didn't find anything he said funny. I didn't like his way of acting. I I did, I just didn't work for me. Um and I don't think that is the actor specifically. I don't think it's the I I think it's just the character just for me personally didn't work. Like people love him. Like people buy Ray fucking Purchase t-shirts but it just didn't work for me at all. It just, it just seems like a standard
0: villain-style like character for something like that, and, and didn't feel like you brought anything fresh, or at least the role didn't bring anything fresh to that sort of idea of the character. There were one or two interactions that were not too bad between them, specifically when they're both in the sound booth and trying to, like, out. <laughs> snog each other, so they're doing like the the voiceovers, and the the guys doing the voiceovers are basically playing some kind of prank, and they are voiceovering a a gay scene between two men, and it's a foreign film that they're dubbing into English, and they they sort of. They're just chatting rubbish in the script, and then it goes to a make-out scene, and and they're literally, like, trying to make kissing noises. So these mm. these two guys that hate each other, both staring at the screen. Both giving it like um 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 um, but a lot more like ridiculous, and then just doubles down and then doubles down, but they're taking it really seriously. That was probably one of the funniest moments in the series. Like I, I generally found that funny, and Interesting. all of the all of the funny things that that kind of did get me in this series were the things that went on far too long, that there were. <laughs> And but that's such a bad way to make something funny. Like that, that in all of the series, the thing that made me laugh is just the fact that they kept retreading that joke and just squeezing it out and doing it for long enough that it's funny. Like I don't think that gives a lot of credit to the series that that's their sort of best go-to gag. No, it wasn't funny, but it just is not like it's not inspiring.
1: No, I, I, I totally, I totally agree. I mean, as just a random, interesting piece of trivia, uh, the actor who plays Ray Purchase, Harry Peacock, he is married to um, Catherine Parkinson, who is, uh, um, Jen from IT Crowd, and obviously lots of other things. Oh, really? Yeah, they've been married for a while since two thousand nine. Have a couple of kids. Random. Yeah. So, so it's all part of that kind of English comedy family has she been in other stuff she's been loads of stuff um yeah yeah yeah, loads of stuff she pops up a lot some of which i haven't seen but some of which i have she's very good in uh there's the boat that rocked which is a great film she was in that um and she's done there was something else she did not that long ago that she was very good in anyway she's done quite a lot but she she's very good Um, There there are a lot of things in the series
0: that were just absolutely mad and I just couldn't connect with at all. There's this... uh, He tries to find the new agent and finds himself uh, in a car with some American girl or or old biddy who's sort of playing this role of... uh, She's either had surgery or so old that her lips don't really move when she's talking, but it just looks like it's dubbed and, again, just looks... Poorly executed, and I just didn't have any time for that. And I think there's funny. I actually found that very mildly amusing. Really? uh I, I, I just, found just very that, mildly, just very mildly. I just I, a lot of it just sort of missed that. And I mean, just how this is how uh, surreal it is. If I keep saying that word, but this is how like not in the human world is. He he has to figure out the end of this book that he has got to the publisher that they're <laughs> noshing off and he can't think of an end um, and uh, he just sees a flame so decides to like spontaneously combust the character so he goes to the publishers to tell them the end and this bird is livid and while saying that spontaneous combustion doesn't exist she spontaneously combusts like that actually happens in the actual episode and then we just move on from it like
1: that, that, is that. mental whole episode is probably my least favourite episode, it was nuts. Because there was that whole stuff with the whole um deaf and blind aunt that obviously wasn't and like you were never not you 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 were always meant to know that of course she wasn't and there was but there was still meant to be an amusing reveal. But again, it just didn't really work for me. Um yeah basically this old
0: granny is in the room while her granddaughter is making sweet love to Matt Berry and just basically like staring at them on the act, but is apparently blind and deaf, but clearly, clearly he's going to turn out not
1: to be. There, mm. so, uh, there's a, I, I think how, I mean, how insane everyone is at one point we meet his brother inexplicably, very briefly, whose name is Blair and is missing a hand. Like, I mean, <laughs> just I've got so many questions uh, and things like that. I just feel like are are meant to be kind of amusing and are in a kind of weird, surreal way, but n- a lot of it just didn't really, t- just didn't really do it for me. Um, one thing I thought was quite, again, quite clever, and I'm, I'm sure you noticed, um, and it's not exactly subtle, but I, d- I didn't notice it in the very first second. It took me like 10 seconds was um, when he's filming this, uh, He he's filming a film for like an Arab prince or whatever, and he's being paid loads to do it, and it's just this ridiculous like um, amateur film, and you see it being filmed, and the focus is dropping in and out constantly. Oh yeah, and and I was like, oh, that that's that's quite good. I could see someone not thinking to do that, which was kind of my reaction to a lot of the jokes. It was kind of like a okay, someone's thought about this. Well done, but I mean, beyond giving them a gold star, that's about as far as my reaction really went.
0: Yeah, um, sort of going to the last episode and, and heading towards some some sort of conclusions for it. So the last episode changes tact a little bit and uh, is kind of a little bit of a Bond parody at the start. The intro theme tune and um, sort of theme uh, visual is, is different and it's... Um, I don't know if it's good or bad. Really, just indifferent, it, like a lot of the other stuff.
1: Like, I quite like that actually. I, I liked the, uh, I liked Bond themes, and and the, uh, I thought it looked and sounded like a Bond theme. I, I actually thought it was Tom Jones at first singing, but it's not. It's Michael Ball. But um, it just sounds like, like yeah. every
0: other. Of taking the piss of the bond theme theme like i think it's like standard BBC, bbc archives this is what we use to get around the copyright of the actual bond theme like they, they all sound exactly the same
1: yeah for sure i think it's quite easy for someone who knows about music not for me or any idiot but like someone vaguely in the know to write uh, a bond theme parody i don't think that's i think it's a I think there's an easy an easy template to follow there, uh, but I, I quite like that intro. But the whole, the whole episode was just nuts. I did actually think it was one of the better episodes. There was some
0: funny stuff in there. So we have actual Michael Bull, um, who ends up being like a hitman coming to get him because he's owed money to somebody, um, which is just random. And we we yeah, end up money with to Andrew Andrew Lloyd Webber. Andrew Lloyd Webber. They lost in a poker game um and again like andrew wood is uh, andrew lloyd weber is portrayed from behind and there's some voice where he's just giggling like a girl but i'm not sure if this is some sort of
1: in joke that that maybe people get that i don't get but but What's either way i i know a deep like i'm not much about andrew lloyd weber but a little bit i've seen interviews i'm aware of many of his musicals i had but i didn't if this was some sort of in-joke reference, which I feel like a lot of the show was, I was missing them.
0: Yeah, it doesn't really connect. It's not like South Park where they're sort of characterisation or doing a caricature of a character and taking the piss out of them. It just seemed, again, wildly like just surreal in terms of the representation of the character. Like it was just a name for the sake of the name.
1: Because he's, he's in showbiz, I guess. Yeah, it didn't it didn't need to be Andrew Lloyd Webber at all. That that had very little to say about anything. Mm. Um, but we end up uh, on stage with
0: randomly for this show. It just seemed really out of place. A fully nude girl, like tits and <laughs> yeah. landing strip, showing on full frontal nudity on stage, which is for, for a while as well. Oh for, yeah, just, yeah, like, like many minutes. Which don't get me wrong, was one of the best parts of the series, but I mean I just 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 quite surprised to see it there. I did not expect to have full front or nudity just
1: randomly there. Yeah, it was very Game of Thrones esque, wasn't it? It just it just, yeah, I was just thinking it, exactly that. <laughs> it was very odd. Um it was kind of amusing because the whole series, the whole of the series, they've been talking about how Toast is in this absolutely terrible play, the worst play anyone's ever seen. And there is like a running joke of like he'll bump into fucking taxi driver who's seen the play and that's kind of the joke is ha 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 no taxi driver would have ever seen a play um which <laughs> seems a bit harsh um <laughs> but yeah it it was fun to then i'm glad that they did show us a bit of the play at the end kind of um but yeah that that when michael ball somehow ends up being shot and the blood is like continuously spraying i mean that's kind of amusing but not yeah.
0: really. The the end of the series finishes on a high point. It's a low bar, but it does finish on a pretty high point. Um this stage show he's been doing, which has been slated non stop, sort of getting, ends up getting randomly ad libbed as Michael Ball walks on stage with a, a big vocal number which again just holds a note unfathomably long and he ends up getting <laughs> shot on stage and there's blood everywhere and, and people think that it's sort of part of the show and he is revered and uh, my my guess is that this is a setup for series two where he's now like loved by a lot of people because of this performance like we get like um, headline flashes of two hours standing ovation and you know, turn things around. So I don't know if this is a sort of rags-to-riches idea for Series 2.
1: That would actually make me vaguely want to watch it if I thought there was going to be a change. I was under the impression that it was just going to be... I I don't think it is that. I think it's just more of the same. I don't know. I think that you could do so much more with a guy who's actually, like,
0: being touted to do stuff and walking around thinking that his shit doesn't stink rather than this sort of, the character that we currently have. I think you get a lot more comedy out of that. But who knows? Um, it, it, I didn't go as far as to watch um, any more episodes uh, after that, but it, it was it was more promising than
1: the rest of the series had sort of set up. It, it is a very weird way the show used its time. I mean, you've got his... Uh, Steven Toast's housemate um, who's kind of playing this old um, kind of, I don't know if he's meant to be like retired or kind of out of work, posh actor, which is a stereotype I understand and is in lots of films uh, and a bit of TV, but he didn't really do a lot. In, like, six episodes, he basically does nothing. He barely even really makes any good jokes. He has a bit more to do in that first episode because he's shagging the Bruce Forsyth lookalike. <laughs> but beyond that, that he does... so weird. <laughs> but beyond that, he doesn't really do anything. And it's just Odd. It's a weird that, that,
0: choice. That's like another thing. So, I mean, like, a couple of good things to sort of, that that does round this up. And it, it is just mad because it's good. But this um, young black woman who now looks like Bruce Forsyth and is the love interest of this 50, 60-year-old actor, his housemate, um, they have a brief chat about it. And he says that this... Um, Princess, or whatever she is, has finally started to feel happy in herself and he kind of digs it. So, this like like really weird relationship between them. Like, Bruce Forsyth, lookalike dude, comes and like sits on his lap. (laughs) And it's just like they're just two old, old dudes. (laughs) And it's funny because it's of its madness, I think, rather than how clever it is a lot of the time. Yeah, but it but it, it's not but it's not a good enough mix of both for it to be continuously funny,
1: like being clever and mad. Yeah, I think the whole thing. What I like about it is, is it, It's not pandering at all. Like there, there are terrible comedies that are just trying hard and are unoriginal. Like this is original, and so therefore I respect it. And I think it's trying to be different. Um so I, I kind of I, I I don't know, it's like it's almost pretentious of me to to not hate it. You, you know what I mean? Like I should hate it because it's not very funny. And it's almost, I'm almost like allowing like my comedy snobbery to be like, Oh yes, but well done. But well done. Like it's good it it's original, <laughs> it just doesn't hit for me. But I I feel like that's fine. It's not trying to hit everyone. I like it for that. There are other comedies I like that not everyone likes. So I like that it's not trying to be the lowest common denominator. And it's a bit out there. I think things like this should exist. But I just don't find it very funny. And I've got no interest in watching any more. There, there, there's something about
0: it that makes it feel like it's not try hard. Like, like you said, mm. like it, it doesn't feel like it's doing things for the sake of it whereas i mean other things that we've watched maybe like man down like some of it is like i wouldn't say try hard but they're really like pushing the boundaries for the sake of pushing the boundaries like to get comedy but it's it's sort of funny in that madness whereas this is like it doesn't shove the things down your throat a lot of the time just these sort of long played out jokes um it's, it's just like you, you kind of need to get in tune to it to, to enjoy it but I, I do, I don't know who the audience is that are like passionate about it because I feel like I'm kind of open and receptive to Matt Berry and a bit more like surrealism in general and probably the storyline and the character, like loads of things are there for me to be like warm and receptive to it but None of it really hits, mostly because I think it's just not that good. It's not quite funny enough, you know. Like I don't have much desire to watch any more of it, and I, I'm quite quite happy to sort of give an opinion of it's it's fine, but I, it didn't it didn't
1: hook me in any way, and I just wonder who who it's hooked. I mean, some people love. I mean. So Matt Berry has said he very much has kind of learnt from the the altar of Vic and Bob. Um and where I really I find any interviews and stuff I've seen with Vic and Bob are always brilliant. Some of their stuff is very funny, however some of it is bloody awful. Like because that surreal stuff just it it is naturally incredibly hit and miss. And a lot of it just doesn't work and it is just ridiculous. Um, but when it works as well, and the same as like uh, mighty Bush, I haven't watched a lot, not as much as you'd expect from kind of the age and, and zeitgeist and stuff, but I haven't really. And that's the same that what I have watched. I didn't really like much of that either, but those things like Vic and Bob, mighty Bush and the show all have huge cult followings. Like if you go on IMDB, um, I went through 20, 30 user reviews and everyone is nine or 10 stars. Like, there was not one person going, seriously, what's everyone talking about? This isn't very funny. Um, which you'd expect on anything. Like, I expect on the funniest shows in the world to have, you know, one in 20 reviews just going, oh, what's all the fuss about this is shit. Uh, but for some reason, I think maybe just no one, none of those people watch it. So everyone who seeks it out, really it's 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 um it's got a good hit rate apparently yeah but a lot of comedians talk about this like how your stand-up shows are like self um uh self-filtered it's like what's so great about your stand-up shows is once you're established is your audience is the people that like your stuff and so it's really easy like that half the work is done for you you don't have to fight to get people on board because anyone who's there has chosen to go and see you if you're and i feel like this is like that like everyone when this show came out I guess already knew who Matt Berry was and what his style was and so it seems like anyone who bothered to watch it loved it but I can't imagine those viewing numbers were huge but I mean fair play for making more of it because we do need to have shit that's a bit different and weird and out there um but it's just just not for me.
0: Yeah, I struggle. I don't know what you would call the genre. We keep saying surreal and surrealism, um, but not sort of at, like not sort of directly in the real world. I do kind of struggle with a lot of those sort of comedy concepts. Like I do actually quite like Vic and Bob, and some of the things like Man Down we were talking about and Bottom and so on. Like there, there's there's things that do go quite well, and then you get sort of that. Um, Uh, Mighty Boosh or um, who's the main guy from Mighty Boosh? Noel Fielding. Yeah, like Noel Fielding like there is there's obscure mind workings where they get when you go off on tangents and talk about random stuff and that is so black and white for me. Like you've either managed to hit something that is um, genuinely random and obscure and funny or It's just random and obscure, and I don't find it funny. Like, a lot of those sort of comedians or that comedic contact in in shows I find really contrasty in in, this is hilarious, and similar with Vic and Bob as well. Like, they're doing something absolutely mental and mad, and you're falling over because it's hilarious, and they're doing another skit, and it's just like this is so mad. It's not even funny. Like I can't, I can't connect with, with what's going Mm. on here. And for me, this is just a bit too much on the sort of negative contrast of, of the madness. Like I'm not connect, connecting with the the comedy of, of this sort of surrealism more times than I'm,
1: than I am, which just, just didn't, just didn't inspire me. I I think I wanted to like it. And it's always a shame when you, like there are some things that are uh we've watched a couple of shows where i was expecting them to be kind of crap and they were like i had no expectations for um like british empire for example and things like that um where this i was skeptical and i knew it'd be mad but i i really did want to like it but just nah and and there are things i like that like i watched a bit of um it's not actually on the list and i probably shouldn't be but because we haven't got any Vic and Bob on the list, but they did do a sitcom. It was called House of Fools and it had um, Morgana Robinson in it, actually. Um, oh yeah. But I remember watching an episode or two when it came out and just being like, it's nothing like this, but I had a similar reaction of just like, this isn't working for me. Uh, just just
0: so you know, I, I was exactly the same. I, I went in with a really open mind and actually quite, quite wanted to like it and I think a lot of it just comes down to Matt Berry I think he's a good likable character I think he's clever and you do warm to the character a bit so I um I wanted to like it for sure and I think that has probably helped give it um, some additional credit because if, if this was someone who I didn't know and had no awareness of in Matt Berry's sort of position I think I would be even sort of less receptive
1: to the ideas I, I do think matt berry's kind of good combination of kind of deadpan and nuts because like that how this character for example has no sense of humor is like a running joke that is played very well and yet he's also inc- and, and matt berry is very physical i do think he is very good in this show i think you can see his comedic skills it just doesn't necessarily hit um One thing I'd read about just before we started recording that just really made me chuckle, I don't know why, but it's something I could imagine myself enjoying because it's a different format, is there's an audio book um, kind of as the character, as Stephen Toast, about kind of his life as an actor, and it's called Toast on Toast, (laughs) which is just brilliant, by the way. Like just uh, just so (laughs) makes me laugh. But I I reckon I'd really enjoy that. I think in that format I would really enjoy. I think the the jokes would hit um really well. Like I I the um, is the problem with this series is that there's not enough Matt Berry. I mean possibly possibly and he's the thing that is best. I mean the audio books for um uh Alan Partridge he's got a few like podcast series and audio books and they are probably my favourite things in the character of Alan Partridge as much as I really love the T V shows. So I'm I'm tempted to actually listen to Toast on Toast because I think that might be peak toast.
0: Yeah, I think that actually that that I find myself instantly thinking that's probably going to be quite funny. Which which is why I said is is there just not enough Matt Berry in it? Maybe there's just too much filler. Maybe we just need to be like squared on Matt Berry for the whole time because uh, I feel like maybe there's some potential there but that that podcast sounds like a great idea I think that that could be quite funny or it could just be really surreal and and never quite reach the potential but it does seem like there there would be more potential for funnies with a hundred percent Matt
1: Berry yeah I, I think that that could really work I, i'm gonna i'm probably gonna i think it's actually i don't even think it's a separate audiobook i think it's like included in your audible subscription um so yeah i think i'll uh toast on toast Is so good <laughs> i don't know why that's so funny but it
0: just is that was, that was funnier than any any line in the series <laughs> i know it's such a shame
1: <laughs> uh yeah so um yeah
0: i think we'll call that, call that a wrap i think um
1: oh our our um conclusions or at
0: least my conclusion is that it's not a hard recommend. If this is if this sort of surreal and mad stuff is massively in your wheelhouse and you like deadpan and Mighty Boosh and Noel Fielding, then um then then maybe this is something that you're gonna get a bit more on board on. But it's definitely understated. It's definitely a bit more deadpan. It's it's surreal as you like. Um but there's a couple of things to enjoy it for If it's going to be down your street, then go for it. You're going to love it. If it's something that you're not sure about, then you're you're probably wasting
1: your time. I can't
0: imagine it's going to win you over.
1: I think if you are at all interested in this type of thing, you've already watched it. (laughs) I think like we we said at the start, I think anyone listening to this is either a fan of this type of thing and is annoyed that we didn't get it or they were like us they've never watched it because they weren't sure if they'd like it and they've gone okay i I know now not to bother um so i, yeah, it's, I don't it's think... not terrible it's just not great either yeah yeah it just you know you got to have really nothing else to do <laughs> it
0: is it is absolute borderline like ph 5.5 litmus neutral like just 7 just yeah sure 7 <laughs> Getting confused of one of the adverts that says something like that right, anyway. Um, with that done and dusted, I think it's time to move on to um, what we're going to be doing next. Blah, blah blah.
1: Yay, you're doing the number, and I get to announce. So, this is kind of There is another show, uh, it only did one series, I think largely because of COVID, because it looks like the ratings are good, but the concept sounds very funny to me there's a um a series called year of the rabbit with matt berry who is a um a, like a, a no nonsense uh 80 style detective but in the victorian era <laughs> okay uh and it looks for, i saw a trailer of it today cuz i i in one of the interviews i watched with matt berry he was talking about it and that looked very funny so, yeah, that's, it, looks
0: uh, like, it looks like Matt Berry playing Matt Berry. But Matt Berry is basically a bit uh, like Terry Crews, isn't he? Like He just plays Terry Crews and Matt Berry just kind of plays Matt Berry.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think that that's what he does, right? I mean, you, you wouldn't expect him to do anything else.
0: Interesting. Are you talking, sticking that on the list or are you just like one of
1: notes? Uh, that is a good point. I'm just planning to try and watch it at some point, which I guess is... The equivalent of putting it on the list, kind of the. Should the we show. put House of Fools on the list, if
0: it isn't already? I, I suppose we better better be putting all these things on there. Like maybe we have like a caveat that we don't watch them in like the next three episodes because we've just obviously watched Matt Berry. But but it can, it can be on the list as on as it as can House of Fools. They are. British comedy series I guess so
1: yeah they basically they fit the bill don't they right give me a number between 1 and 51 yes you can
0: and the number is Quantatres it's 43
1: no reactions never good <laughs> I know there's one person who's going to be absolutely thrilled about this. It is uh, one foot in the grave. I do not believe it. <laughs> oh,
0: that is a big one. You got zero excitement, one. but I feel like that 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 fits um,
1: in with the flow well enough that I'm I'm happy to go for that one. Yeah, that's interesting because um, Tom from One Foot in the Podcast has been a. Uh, a follower of ours for quite some time. He was one of our one of our early uh, contributors um, to to kind of listener emails. So um, it'll be fun to finally do his show. Uh, his show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, his show—that's his show, right? Like he's—you know—we did only fools. He did one foot in the grave. So uh, yeah, all right. It's definitely a classic.
0: Um, it's it's a random one for a friend of the podcast, Rich, as well, because I'm pretty sure that he has seen the whole series and knows it very well as well. Just a random, like, thing that he knows very well. I don't know why, maybe to do with his brother, but um, I'm sure Rich will be interested to hear about
1: it as well. It's one of those, I feel like, as a kid, was I was just a bit too young. Yeah, it fits in the same
0: place as all the other sort of geriatric comedies, you know, Keeping <laughs> Up Appearances. Um, uh, Last of Summer Wine, yeah, uh, those sorts of ideas, and th- some of them are funny and hold their own, you know, like Last of Summer Wine, that sort of stuff. They're they're not bad comedies at all. And this was, at one point, I think in its height, was easily sort of the best loved British comedy of its time, and and was winning was like high up on the list for best comedies of all time sort of styley, like really was was in those sort of like top tens of you know massive british comedies it's 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 huge how many series are there there's quite a few
1: there are lots lots of series and lots of episodes six series seven christmas specials yeah 44 episodes yeah well I don't believe it.
0: But yeah, I'm actually looking forward to getting to that. It's not something that I'm like massively passionate like. Yeah, love this series, but um it's it's a absolute staple and huge British comedy. So I look forward to finding out um if it if it sort of
1: earned its stripes. Yes, so to have just double checked, just in case you never know. Uh, there are six uh yeah, standard twenty nine minute episodes, so uh three hours of um Good classic early 90s British geriatric comedy to get our teeth into
0: alright well thanks very much for um, tuning in for this absolutely wild ride of a comedy but um, certainly picked apart a few things there look forward to um, tackling this uh,
1: big fish with you uh, next month Bob thanks very much yeah it was good I enjoyed it I'm uh, I'm sorry we were so negative but um, you know we, we got a call it as we see it, and let's uh, let's hope to be surprised next time. I I'm, I'm, have no idea how I'm going to feel about this, so I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be great. I think I'm going to dig it. Nice. <laughs> Alright, well, thanks very much for listening, everyone. Thanks as always, Jay. Been a pleasure. Catch you later, mate. Thanks very much for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook, forward slash only fools brothers or on twitter we're at only fools bros or if you want to send us a longer message you can email us at only fools at gmail.com also really appreciate it if you could give us some sort of rating or review on your podcast app of choice thanks very much goodbye